Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Consciouspreneur Podcast. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, your host, and I'm delighted that today we are sharing some time and space with Dr. Varan Gandhi. He is a life orchestrator, a solopreneur, an angel investor, an inventor, philanthropist, and a water doctor. He enjoys orchestrating business, events, and ideas about the self and the self-image. Dr. Gandhi, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. I so appreciate being here, and uh, you know, I, I just love your energy. <laughs> oh, likewise. Um, you know, when we first met uh, in our, our pre-interview, I was just so compelled by your story. And I know you're writing a book about your story. And, and so I'm really thrilled to be able to go deeper into this conversation with you today and then to be able to share it with our listeners. Uh, thank you so much. You know, before I dive into my story, I do want to share one really quick thing. Uh, you know, in my in my bio, the last uh, title was Water Doctor, and uh, kind of the the reason behind it is uh, you know I do have a PhD. My PhD is in environmental engineering, specifically focused on water treatment. Uh, so that's kind of how it originated. But now what I'm doing with it is um, uh, I am spreading the message that people need to drink more water. Right. Uh, the thing is, I, I read this book that was written in the 90s and um, the research was conducted in a Persian prison. And so while, when this doctor was thrown in prison during the revolution time, uh, he noticed the prisoners around him were kind of uh, lacked energy. They were, they were complaining about pains and aches and things that, you know, in the body. And uh, he realized that just by giving them water within two, three hours, they, he saw a noticeable change. Within six hours, they were practically back to normal life. Uh, and he realized that dehydration was the cause of you know, their ulcers and their pains and uh, their lack of energy. Uh, so I feel like most of America doesn't drink enough water. And if when people start drinking water, uh, you know, they, their energies will start going up. They will start feeling a whole lot better. Uh, diseases, at least 50% of the common diseases that exist right now will start dropping away. And, uh, you know, uh, the paradigm with this is like, in, if you think about the body, there's like 75% of our body is water, 25% is solids, right? And when, whenever we take any kind of medication, any kind of pill, any kind of uh, some some sort of a treatment that's on the solid portion of our system. That's only the twenty five percent. Every time we're drinking water, we're replenishing that seventy five percent, which is the majority of us. And when we start, you know, uh, reaching levels of hydration that our body require, you your life will be completely different at that point. Uh, so that's just a you know PSA uh, to let everyone know, like, hey, drink more water. I love that. And I also want to come back to that because I have some questions about water uh, that I want to ask you. So before we get to that, let's start with your story. So you talked about getting your, your doctorate uh, in engineer, environmental engineering, and, and yet your bio is not very reflective of that. So I'm curious about how you started there and, and what that journey looked like to where you are today. 
Yeah, you know, so when I started my education, you know, I was on that that common path of, hey, I'm going to go from uh, high school to let me get a degree, a bachelor's and advanced and super advanced. And then I'm going to find a job and one day I'll be happy. Uh, you know, I was I made it all the way through my bachelor's and I was now signed up to do a master's degree. Uh, and, uh, you know, in between the bachelor's and the master's, that summer break, I took an internship up and I, I was working for those three months at a job that would eventually be something that I would be working at. Uh, so I, I did it for about three months, two months into it. I started feeling like, Oh, I don't want to be here. Like, what am I doing here? And I feel like there's something greater out there for me. And you know, that, that kind of like voice came up, but then I shut it down. Like, you know what, this is the right path. Uh, so I, I start, I went to work every day, did it for three months. But when I went back to school, I said, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go into the job. So I'm just going to prolong my time in school. And from going from a master's, I'm just going to get a PhD as well. I'll just tack on four more years. What the hell, right? Um, so that was my thinking. And so I went all the way to a PhD and I enjoyed it. There were hard times as, you know, all, you know, the whole experience and you know that. Sure. Uh, right. You know? <laughs> and uh, worked through all of that and finally graduated. And uh, when I graduated, I was looking for jobs. And the only one interview that I had, the only one job offer that I got was essentially a continuation of, uh, sort of a continuation of my PhD. Uh, it was in the same very specific focused field of water treatment. Uh, and I was t testing out systems in that, in that field. So I was doing sort of important work. You know, it was public health infrastructure. This is the drinking water that comes into our house. You know, making sure that uh, the infrastructure that's installed is up to date and up to par. So I felt like it was meaningful work. Uh, for a while, I justified it like, hey, I'm actually making some change. But then finally it wore off. You know, I kept talking to myself like, all right, you know, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. But then finally, about a year into this job, a year and a few months into this job, I started having these, the, the voice again came up, like, what am I doing here? That same thing that was in the internship, it came back. And it was like every morning I'd wake up just thinking like, why are you going to this job? This eight to five that you don't really care about. I mean, yeah, you live a comfortable life, all of your expenses, all of everything is taken care of. And you know, you can, you have a lot of, uh, extra income that you could, you know, enjoy with, but is that what you want for your life? And that was, you know, that essential question that came, that existential question that came to me. Um, I realized that it wasn't. Uh, so initially when the pain started, so there was actually this pain in my solar plexus that that's how I kind of realized like, okay, there's something going on. Uh, initially it started. You're talking about a physical pain. Yes. This was a physical okay. pain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, this was in my stomach region. Uh, it started off kind of very subtle. Uh, so for a while, I just ignored it. But then about two or three months into it, it was like, bam, right in my face. Every morning I'd wake up and it was right there. You know, and I knew there was nothing physically wrong with me. There was nothing like, you know, diseased or anything. Uh, so I felt this. And then that's when I started sitting down with myself. And I said, I was still very unconscious, not self-aware. Uh, you know, this is uh, the unconscious phase of my life. And I started asking questions like, what is this pain telling me? What's the message here? You know, and this is, I was kind of doing it unconsciously, you know, like so I was something in the back of my mind was just processing all of this, but consciously it wasn't there. You know, I didn't mean to sit down and do this exercise, but it just happened. Uh, and so that happened. And the, the final answer was like, you know what, this is, this job is not what, you know, your long-term thing. I, I don't see, I, I didn't see myself 
you know, doing this for 10 years of my life. Cause I'd also projected, like I looked at people within that company who had been there for 10, eight, 10, 12 years of their lives, you know, where they've reached, they've probably achieved that next level up. And I'm like, do I really want that for myself in 10 years? I'm going to work up to that. And maybe, you know, even like monetary wise, is it actually worth it? You know? Uh, so all of those questions came up and I said, you know what, it's, it's done. I'm not doing this anymore. Now my parents were convincing me like, Hey, why don't you leave this job and find another job with another company in the same field? You know, you worked, studied so hard, you worked so hard for your PhD and all of these reasons were coming up. So I had to fight all of that. You know, initially I was like confused, like, Oh yeah, I mean, what do I do? And I was thinking, you know, going through all of that in my mind. And finally I made the decision, like, I can't, I can't do this, you know? Uh, and so I remember in, uh, usually people give it like a two week notice, you know, like two, I'm going to quit in two weeks or three weeks. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give us five or six week notice. And the minute I turned in that notice, the minute I turned in the letter and let my boss know, like, Hey, I'm going to be leaving by Thanksgiving. Oh man, that pain went away. It just Did it really? it felt completely, so, completely. Yeah. I just felt so better. Like I felt free. I was like, all right, freedom. Like now I can actually, you know, pursue whatever that was. I didn't know what it was. I knew what I did not want to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, so now I began this exploration phase. All right. I mean, I'm like a free bird. I can do literally anything. Um, can we, before we go to the exploration phase, I don't want to get too far from this beginning phase because I have some questions. Is that okay? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I think the first thing that uh, popped into my head is as you were telling the story of uh, the internship, you said, oh, you know, this is a job that I would eventually do. And I really didn't like it. So I want to just point out that at the end of the story, your your gut was right about that decision. And I, I just want to bring that to all of our attention, because how many times have we all said, ignored the signals all of the signals that this something's not right for us, but we've got this in our head that this is the path we're supposed to be on. There's some should in there, right? And um, so I just want to point out that we should be trusting ourselves so that we don't have to then invest in an, a PhD or, or whatever that is for you, right? Or for the listener, before you say, no, really, this is not what I want. Because I think the, the deeper we get, the more we feel like we're giving up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For, Does that for, sound, we're walking yeah. further away from our actual true mission in life. You know, we're as of 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, you're like way far out there, you know, instead of going to Florida, we ended up in New York and uh, you know, now it's, it's way, I mean, people can still make the change if they put the energy and time into it. Uh, but it gets harder because you're walking further away from home. You're walking further away from home and you're more and more committed to whatever path it is that you are on. And there, you know, you're even your, you said in your story, your parents are like, Oh, well, just stay here. Right. You, you've put so much in, invested so much of your time and energy. And so even outside people are going to say, question you, which leads to that confusion. Yeah, no, that's very true. And, you know, that, that was in my, in my head a lot, you know, like, what are people going to uh, perceive me? Like I just left my job, this, this career, and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but, you know, I was like 27, 28. And, you know, at that time people, uh, you know, in the South Asian community, they've like figured their life out, you know, like, Oh, they have this job. They've, they've become a doctor, they, whatever it is, but they have set in their path and they've done this for so long. 
but I wasn't there yet. I was like starting from scratch. And so I had a lot of self-doubt inside of me when I was first beginning. Uh, but no, that's a great point because, you know, now I listen to my body a whole lot more, you know, uh, I've also applied that same concept to foods. What foods are good for my system? What foods are not good for my system? How does it feel in my system? How does it feel in my body? And mm-hmm. I think that's very important. I agree. And, and that's the, the other thing I wanted to come back to is you listening to your body. And um, I love the exercise that you did because I often ask my clients to do this. And usually I get really questioning looks like, why am I supposed to ask this part of my body what it needs? Right? It's that seems like an odd question and yet it brings us the information that we need. Yeah, it does. It does. It has all the answers. It's all within us. It does. Yeah. Yep. And so the other thing that I was wondering as you were telling that story is about drinking water. So I'm, I'm a, you were, you knew something about water at that point. I don't know if you were, you know, as passionate about uh, dehydration then as you are now, but did you try water at that time and, and see if that would, alleviate the pain at that time no i kind of so this is the one book that my dad gifted me the book is called your body's many cries for water and he had gifted me around that time when i was working in that job but it was somewhere sitting on a shelf i hadn't really picked it up i didn't really read it until much later in my life so at that time i was it was very unconscious face i was like more um I also had other things going on, like my love life had just broken apart and I was going through a lot of pain and suffering. And so my job was in Boise, Idaho. My whole life I'd been in Atlanta, Georgia. So Boise, Idaho was like completely different country, completely. Like I didn't even know it existed until I went there for the interview. So that's kind of how it was for me. Uh, but I go, I went out there and that kind of represented this moment in the in the darkness, you know, like you're going into the cave uh, and it's time for me to, to do the work because... At this time, I had, uh, you know, so I was kind of going back in the story a little bit. Uh, while I was finishing my, up my PhD, the last about six months or so, I was dealing with also this breakup. Um, you know, and so about three months before my dissertation, before my final presentation, uh, we had just got, we had broken up. Uh, that was May. And then August was my dissertation defense. And so I was like, I have to like, and I was writing my thesis at that point, that 200 page that we are, you know, working on. So I had to really focus on this, but I couldn't, you know, with all this pain and suffering going on, uh, my mornings were really rough those first two, three months after the breakup. I'd wake up crying, tears in my eyes, not really accepting this reality, you know, wanting that old reality because it was so fresh in my mind. And I had, I had dreams about it, like still kind of living that reality. But when I'd wake up, I'm like, this is totally different. Like, I don't like this reality anymore, you know? Uh, so the... One thing that helped me cope while I was working on my dissertation was comedy. Uh, I'd, listen, I'd watch uh, John Stewart on the day show every morning before I'd start writing my dissertation. I just get that 20 minutes of fix, get, get my started off well, and then I'd go into it. Uh, so yeah, that always helped me. Um, and so while I was now Boise, you know, about six months later, I moved in October, I moved to Boise and that kind of represented this darkness that let me dive into the cave and, you know, kind of like work on me. Uh, but I had other plans. The first year and year or so I was like, so I wanted to distract, do everything I can to distract away from all of this pain and suffering. Right. And so it involved a lot of unhealthy habits. It involved, you know, a lot of drinking, a lot of alcohol and then late night eating unhealthy foods 
Uh, so I, at some point about a year and a year or so into it, I felt like I was killing myself with all of the, all of this nastiness that I was putting in my system. That's when I started becoming more aware of, okay, what are the foods that I'm eating? How does it make me feel? Uh, and that's also when the solar plexus was also feeling up, you know? And so I was going through all of that at the same time. I uh, finally made changes in my life as I left that job, moved back to Atlanta. Uh, and I was like figuring out my life. Uh, you know, while, while I was in Boise, the other thing that happened was I picked up this book called uh, The Book of Secrets by Deepak Chopra. And in that book, I mean, it's, a, it's a highly advanced. So when I was first reading it, I was just getting into spirituality. I was so focused on the mind and thinking and, you know, that side of life, the logical aspect of life because being an engineer. I wasn't really, you know, into in tune with the intuition, with my body, with, uh, you know, like quieting the mind, silencing the mind, things like meditation. So one thing that this book, uh, you know, 95% of it went over my head. But the one thing that I picked up from this book was meditation. And so it kind of introduced me a little bit to meditation. And then so then I uh, read more about it on Google and uh, started my own meditation practice for myself to kind of, you know, uh, get that uh, silence, get that peace and uh, stress-free, I mean, not stress-free, but anxiety-free life. Um, you know, and so I, uh, when I moved back to Atlanta, that I, then I started uh, uh, meditating. So I created a meditation ritual in Atlanta. And uh, we can talk about it if that's... If that's you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, absolutely. I want to hear about that. So what I did was, uh, I, I'm kind of like a self-starter. I don't really like to go to classes or, you know, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to try it myself. I've done that all my life. Let's try it. And so I read about it and I said, okay, you know what? Uh, at that time, when I moved back to Atlanta, I was renting one a bedroom out of my friend's place. And so all my belongings was in that room. So what I would do is sit in the corner and, you know, all my belongings are behind me. So remove all distractions. The only other distraction was my phone. Uh, and so what I would do that sit in the corner and initially I would you know, I put a color on the a dot on the wall and just focus on it. Or I close my eyes and uh, imagine like a flame or something and just focus on that. So it kind of started slowly, slowly, day by day, it grew, it grew onto me. Some days I didn't do it. I didn't come to it, but that's okay. I picked it up in a day or two uh, to help me. I would journal to help uh, me to be consistent. I would journal my whole experience uh, so what was my state going into the meditation? What thoughts were running in my mind? Uh, and then during the meditation, what thoughts came up and what was the, the conversation like in there? Uh, and then after the meditation, how did I feel? You know, what, what changes did I notice? I kind of like journal myself, at least for a yeah. month or so to uh, get that consistency. The one key thing I did was, you know what, I'm just going to do it for five minutes. I don't want to go Great. 10, yes. 15, 20, 30, 40. Yep. You know, I hear, I heard about all of that. And I, I had anxiety just thinking about that. Like, how, how do I get there? Uh, I said, you know what? Just do five minutes. That's more than enough to begin with. Baby steps. Uh, you know, some days, and now I said the phone is the only distraction. So some days what would happen is I'd, the phone would be there and uh, I'd start meditating. And then the question would pop up in my mind, has it been five minutes yet? Right. I look at the phone. It's like only 20 seconds. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so long. <laughs> uh, so what I would do is then I set an alarm on my phone, a five minute alarm on my phone. And I just pushed it aside far away from me uh, so that I don't uh, automatically reach to it anytime I get distracted. 
And uh, so then that, that kind of helped me. And then I was just sat there, whatever happened, happened. Sometimes two minutes I gave up after two minutes. That's okay. I came back to it again the next day, but eventually maybe three, four or five months into it, I got to five minutes. I'm like, all right, now I can do five minutes. Let me go to the next you know, 10 minutes. Let me just do that. And so I kind of like stretched myself slowly, slowly. And finally I was able to like, okay, I'm, I'm at a good 20, 25 minutes. I'm just going to, you know, keep it there. Now I can do guided meditations for longer. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's, that's where I'm at. And, you know, I feel like, uh, I've told this story to a few people and that they've helped, it's helped them because you know, they re- they've, they've also gone through the same thing, like had anxiety for doing it for 30 minutes or 20 minutes. Just want to let everyone know, like, Hey, you just have to do it for five minutes start off somewhere small and build onto it, build up uh, to it, you know? Yeah. I think that a lot of us have this idea that if we're going to do something, we need to do it right. And whatever that is, uh, in this case, um, I remember hearing a few years ago, because um, I grew up with the, the saying, anything worth doing, er, anything worth doing well is worth doing right or something to that effect. And so what that meant was whatever I, I did, I needed to do it well or it needed to be right, right out of the gate. And that's just a high, that's not, you can't live with that, right? So the new one that I've heard is anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly, what that gave me permission to do is to show up for the two minutes or the three minutes. And I started using this when I started working um, on Peloton. The same idea. I told myself, all I have to do is go sit on the bike. That's it. Just go sit on the bike for 15 minutes. Well, I couldn't do that uh, without just sitting there. So then, of course, I'm going to start pedaling. And, and, and then it just builds from that. So I love that you use that strategy as well and that you share that with us because I think, again, that's one of those reminders that we can always hear over and over again is anything do, worth doing well is worth doing poorly in the beginning. I love that quote. Yeah. I'm going to keep that as a reminder. I love that quote. Yeah. It gives me, like, like you said, permission to just start, you know, just get going. You don't have to be perfect. Right. Right. So what is it that uh, meditation did for you? Uh, One thing it's helped me with is my anxiety. Uh, It's definitely calmed me down. It's given me that space between, you know, the stimulus and reaction, you know, so I'm not reacting anymore. I'm responding to the situation and uh, it's made me more self-aware. The one thing that I've been working on this year, 2022 is uh, been able to, speak more, you know, camera and in front of people. And there's always been anxiety while I was doing my PhD at anxiety over that, uh, especially, you know, giving national presentations in front of 50, hundred people. Uh, the way I would kind of go around it is I would memorize the whole script. I would write a script for the whole presentation and just memorize it. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't stumble. I, you know, I wouldn't have to think on the spot and freeze. Uh, and you know, that, was, that would happen a lot. Uh, and so, I memorize everything. So now this 2022, I said, you know what, it's time to let me work on this. And so I've been taking baby steps and, you know, the, the last about six months or so I've been on, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 different interviews like this. And it's been putting myself out there every month. I'll get some 10, 15, whatever I do. And it's, it's building up and helping me along with that is a medit- uh, affirmations that I, that I have all around me. Uh, some behind me, some in front of me that I kind of look at on a regular basis. You know, one that says, yes, you can. There's one of this that says, be you. 
so one of the challenges has been my vocal, uh, you know, just sharing my authentic, authentic voice. Uh, so something that says be you and then the other one that says express yourself, sharing more of myself. So kind of have these reminders in front of me that have helped me. Uh, and uh, again, taking baby steps just to get into that direction of, okay, now I'm comfortable doing this. I can do this on rinse and repeat. Now let me go to the next level. Okay, maybe that's a speaking engagement. Maybe that's, you know, whatever that is. Uh, right. So yeah, it's, uh, go ahead. Well, I'm curious. So, so we've kind of got two versions of you at this point. How would you compare and contrast this version of you versus that version of you that was feeling the uh, pain in the solar plexus? How are the two of you different? Wow, that's a great question. So the pain in the solar plexus, I feel like that was, I was moving in a direction that, you know, like completely opposite from home. Right. And so the pain kind of, okay, now it's guiding me in the right direction. Like, okay, there's something, this is not right. Let's walk back. Uh, so now I'm kind of, I think I'm closer to getting to home uh, than I was before. Maybe I'm not there yet completely. And I feel like I'm a, you know, I'm a multi-passionate. So I like to get involved in a lot of things and I have to like stop myself. That's one of the things I've been working on and take on too many things. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And then I'm like, oh, I can't, I, you know, I can't put it all my energy into everything. I got to focus on a few things. Uh, so I have to like always cut back and watch myself doing that. Uh, but I, I love, you know, learning something new and I'm more, I'm comfortable doing that now more than before, you know, exploring new areas. Uh, you know, after I left that job at that point in my life, I was solely focused on that career, whatever, whatever was involved within that, I would learn within that, but nothing outside of that. And it was so kind of, like a dot and that I was just focused on that dot. Yeah. Well, just, if I could interrupt you, just think about the description that you just had in my job. It was a dot. It was a focused dot. And my real myself now is I have all these things that I want to say yes to. Like it seems unlimited to you now versus very limited and controlled um, in the first version of you. Yes. Very true. Very, it was very constricting and I'm a Sagittarius. I like to be free. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the major difference right now. I feel like it's, I'm walking closer to home and I'm just more at like more, have more freedom with, uh, with what I'm curious about. And that freedom is internally generated, right? That's the only thing that I hear differently in your story is now you're internally driven. You're taking responsibility for your outcomes. Yeah. So you're having trouble saying yes or no to things, whatever, right? You're, you're figuring that part out. Whereas before, it sounds like, you know, you were really just uh, trying to um, meet expectations of other people, um, maybe even the expectations that you set for yourself. Maybe you borrowed expectations from other people for yourself, right? And so it was very externally driven. And what I hear now is very internally driven. Yeah, you know, I completely agree with that. It was more like, you know, drifting, you know, that's, I guess, the term that uh, I, I wouldn't make decisions for myself. Other people would make those decisions. You know, my boss would tell me what to do or right. you know, my parents would tell me what to do and dictate like, okay, this way. And so I was kind of in that direction. And now I'm more of, okay, I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to follow what really means to me, what really matters to me, you know? And that's, that's what I'm kind of focused on right now in my life. I love that. So that is my next question. What is it that you're really passionate about now? Uh, let's see. <laughs> what do I start with? All right. So <laughs> the one thing that I'm working on right now is this idea called what's your story, 
Um, so I've created a course out of this. And essentially the idea is that at every moment of our lives, we're creating a story. Whenever we try to make sense of a situation, whenever we try to make a sense of a series of situations or try to make sense of what someone told us, we are interpreting it in, in a way that's familiar to us. But if someone else were looking at those same situations, they would interpret it completely different from what you do. That's all our perspectives, right? And these perspectives, we are in power of that. We can control, uh, you know, what we see, what we focus on, and what we not. What questions we're asking, and what questions we're not asking. You know, instead of asking what's wrong, are we asking what's right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, this kind of came to me during meditations and reading a lot of other material. Uh, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer has played a huge role. Uh, you know, and so uh, this idea of us telling stories about everything, it kind of happens on a daily basis, a regular basis, always is constantly going on. And, you know, there's a mechanism behind it, right? So uh, I'll give you an analogy. We're watching this movie in a theater and, you know, we're looking at a screen, the movie is playing on the screen. Screen is a tool. There's a projector in the back. That's also a tool that's projecting whatever is in the film onto the screen. So film contains the essence of the movie, right? The other things are tools. So in our life, we have a tool, the projector, it's called the third eye, which is our imagination. Our imagination uses what's in the film. The film is our memories, our, our experiences, everything that we believe, all of our attitudes, all of our feelings, uh, all of our programming, everything is in that film. And our imagination takes data from that film and projects it out onto the different screens in our life. The screens are, you know, the people in your life, the situations in your life, the places that you visit, anything you're trying to make sense of, that's a screen. And what this course kind of does, the idea is that, hey, let's focus on that film. So far, we've been looking at the screen, trying to change the people in our lives. We're looking at you know, we're looking at the different situations, trying to change the situation. Uh, but as a matter of fact, it's actually our film that needs the work. And once we start looking at the film, once we start analyzing the film, we can gain insights. And then with that wisdom, we can start making you know changes and modifications in our life that will help us move in the direction we want to go in. Uh, so this film that I've, that's, uh, you know, that's in us, I call it our life film, my life film. And essentially, uh, the idea is that, okay, let's kind of chart out everything that's happened in your life. Not everything, but, you know, the highlights in your life, the big stuff, the good stuff and the bad stuff, both sides. You want to write out everything, right? Uh, and, uh, and so we, when we write out the good stuff and the bad stuff, all of the experiences that we've had, then we'll go through a series of questions on let's dive deeper. Okay, how did this affect you? What changes did it make in your life? You know, what attitudes did you adopt at that point? What beliefs did it uh, implant in you, right? And what programming are you currently holding from that time that's still affecting your life? And that's where it changes. What are those things that are still, that was probably programmed in your life 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whenever you were, you know, probably the first 10 years of your life, but you're still playing those programmings. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm not capable enough. You know, I, you know, I don't deserve love. All of those programming is things that are inside of us and it's all in the film. It takes 
it takes us sitting down and, you know, I've kind of created a structure. My engineer brain has, uh, you know, put it into like a step-by-step process that people can break down and understand. Uh, so anyone who's looking for something like that, hey, this is a great course that would definitely benefit you. Yeah. I love that. I love the, you, taking something that seems so big and esoteric and being able to make a system out of that, right? And, and make that uh, approachable. Um, this, I love to this analogy that you're using of the film and the, the film, we are the film, right? And this, the, what we're experiencing is the projection. That's what's on the screen. And I think that really ties back to your meditation too, because before we meditate, we're watching what's on the screen and we're in the screen with it. Whereas when we learn to meditate, and this is what hooked me into meditation because it took me a long time to really appreciate the value of it until I really realized that what meditation was doing was keeping me in my seat so I could I could watch the scenes go by, but I didn't have to get caught up into them. And what that did for me is then I didn't have to be so reactionary. There was, you know, we talk about space. Um, there was that small space that I could then choose to um, re- respond rather than react. Yeah, take that step back. So I yeah. love this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was the thing for me as well. Like it, uh, I would have anger inside of me. So anytime something would, I mean, it would get to a point, like it would build up, build up. And finally at that point, I just snap and something would happen. And I just snap. And so that time meditation helped me is okay. Let me take a step back. Let's, you know, calm down and let's approach the situation in an hour, two hours, whatever time I need. So what are you doing with this idea of the story and your affirmations? Yeah. So what I'm doing, uh, I'm creating this digital course. I've started recording all the videos and putting all the course material together. Um, and essentially it's going to be available on my website, either uh, in two options. One is the course. And once you start doing it, once, once people start working on the material, uh, you know, if they have issues, they have questions then we can also do a one-on-one coaching style. Uh, while they're working through the life chart. Uh, and uh, that's essentially what, uh, that's one part of it. And once the course is ready, then I'm also working on the book, uh, which is kind of writing the same idea, but putting it down on paper, uh, helping people understand. So that'll be like a book plus a workbook where they'll be able to work on the exercises right then and there so they can create the chart uh, through throughout the book. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on with that. And, uh, these affirmations and all of that is on my website for sale as well. So if people are interested, uh, you know, definitely, uh, check my website out. Love this. And I want to come back now to your passion. So this is what you're doing to express who you are, what this passion is. So I want to get back behind the curtain to what is this passion that's driving you to, to create this? Because you could create something else too, uh, event, and you will eventually, right? That, that will uh, move this passion forward. But what is this passion? What's, what's the change you want to see in the world? You know, this passion comes from, uh, from experience, from me understanding that we have the power in our hands. You know, I was, for, for most of my life, about 30 years of my life, I've been drifting, just letting other people make the decision, not really having that uh, 
you know, in a way it's my solar plexus not having that activated and, uh, you know, making decisions for myself in the direction that I want to go in. Uh, so far it was society, it was other people. And, you know, we'll see that a lot in my community. I mean, I'm sure a lot of other communities will kind of also deal with this. Um, you know, they play a huge value on what other people think, what other people are going to say. They play, play a huge role and, you know, family plays a huge role in their life. And so they have to like, kind of adhere to certain rules and certain uh, restrictions in their life. And I want people to know that, hey, we have the power to make those changes for ourselves. Uh, yes, it may be painful. Yes, it may you may go through certain things. But at the end of it, you're going to be a much happier. You're going to be following things that you want to do. You're going to be making the decisions for your life. You know, I feel I, I was in that boat for so long, just letting it, letting the river flow and not uh, kind of directing it in one direction. It was wherever it go, I'd go with it. Uh, but now I finally have taken the oars and said, you know what? I'm going to take this to where I, where I want to go. I want to see that. Let me go there and, you know, check that out instead of going in that direction. So that's kind of what this course has done for me in my life. It's allowed me to, you know, slow down. It's allowed me to, again, the other thing that I haven't done for so long, like, 30 years of my life is introspection. I wasn't looking back at my life and seeing, okay, how could I have done this better? How could I have been a better person? You know, I'd gone through that relationship. Uh, it took me that breakup to finally die, to be able to slow down and look inside of me. At that point, I was so externally focused, like you mentioned earlier. I was, it was all external. All of my energies were going outside of me. Now I finally had this break, said, okay, I'm going to look at what's inside of me. I started understanding that this is essentially a computer, but I hadn't, I don't really know what's on that computer until I sat down and said, okay, this is what's on it. Let's start. You know, and meditation has also helped me there to be able to kind of be self-aware in the moment while things are happening. Like for example, you know, when I gave a podcast interview last year, I'd have a lot of, um, like my conscious mind wouldn't be there. I wouldn't be able to think offhand and you know come up with answers. So it would be more rehearsed. It would be more like scripted uh, and uh, everything had to be kind of rehearsed as well for me. So that was previously. And now what I've, the work has been, what I've done so far is every interview that I do, if I get into that situation of me not being aware of what's going on and my responses, I slow down and I really become aware of the feeling in my body. How am I feeling right now? Okay, I feel afraid because I know that that's what happens. I feel fear inside of me. And that's when my conscious mind kind of just goes for a hike. And so when that fear comes up, I become aware of it and working on it, breathing through it. So every interview started getting slowly, 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 started getting better and better and better as I did more of it, as I became more of more aware of my uh, triggers and, you know, how I'm feeling the sensations in the moment. Uh, so that meditation has helped me a lot there to really come into the present moment when I really need to. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fascinating how our minds work, isn't it? The the way that our conscious mind really can just take a hike, as you said, and let that unconscious program just take over. Um, that's that's how we're designed. So, you know, I love this path that you're on. I think you and I are on a very similar mission, helping people shift from this external uh, way of, of being to a more internally driven way of being and really finding the freedom in that. 
but it seems like such a gap when someone is starting this process. It seems like a lot because usually in, in your story is, uh, it brings like there was physical pain. There were relationship issues. There were career issues. Like all of these things start to happen at the same time. My story is exactly the same. I had relationship issues. I had health issues. I had career issues all falling apart at the same time. And, and I'm starting to see that now as, well, okay. Well, first of all, Mayor, pay attention on the first challenge, right? Um, but for the listener who may not be on this path is when those things are, are coming together, it doesn't mean that your life is, well, it feels like it's falling apart, but it could actually be pulling you back from where this, the stray path that you're on, pulling it back to the, the word you keep using as home. And I love that. Um, so all of, all of these experiences that feel painful really can bring us back home. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I feel like it's like kind of like breaking that foundation. You know, there was a, you've built this foundation for so many years of your life. And now when you're going through this pain and suffering, you're kind of finally like breaking that foundation, but that gives you room to build something better, build something stronger, build something long, you know, long lasting, sustainable. Uh, and I feel like that's what you're referring to is like, all right, let's rebuild this into something that's long lasting. I think, and to me, what I hear when I hear you say that building something long lasting is we're, that's creation. So when we're living in that external mode, you know, we're just surviving. Um, but when we can make the shift into that internal mode, then we get to start to experience ourselves as a creator. And to me, there's nothing more powerful in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, in the surviving mode, it's a lot of like consumption. You're just consuming uh, uh, a lot of it, maybe unconsciously, you're not really uh, understanding the effects of it on your body, on your system, like food, for example. Um, you know, and I've been there, I've gone through that and I want to share, let people know like, Hey, you don't have to be this way. You, you can change the way you feel you are doing something to your system right now. That's making you feel a certain way. You can change those things. It, and we have baby steps to take you in that direction. So let's take the baby step back to water, because I think that this is one way maybe the listener could um, start to use um, intentionally hydrating themselves to pay attention to how do I feel before I drink water? How am I feeling after I drink water? But before we even talk about that, I feel like there's also a lot of should should messages out there about water. You know, we should drink X number of ounces per body weight, all of that kind of thing. Do you have like some general guidelines about how do we know when we're hydrated? That's uh, what I would say is drink when, uh, figure out when you're dehydrated, meaning there, you'll, you'll feel signs. Like, okay, this, this means like maybe a headache. Okay, this means I'm dehydrated. Let me drink water. That headache will go away. A lot of migraines, I think, are caused by dehydration drink water, let it go away. So I feel like one is to, if you have some sort of symptoms that kind of happen constantly, like it's, it's always there persistently, you know, for, for hours on end, that could be dehydration. Uh, and so watching out for those signs. So once you started to take in certain amounts of water, like, you know, increasing your uptake of water. And honestly, I don't know, yeah, people say by body weight, you could take certain amounts of water, but I feel like there's a lot of other factors in, in, involved in this, like how much fire your body creates, like how much heat your body creates. So my body creates a lot of heat. 
I need more amounts of water than my wife does. She doesn't create that much heat in her body. And so I feel like everybody is different and everybody requires a different amount of water. Uh, and so it kind of, I would say drink when you feel, see those signs or when your mouth is dry, that's when your mouth is dry is actually one of the last signs that you're dehydrated, a headache and all of that comes before that. And so kind of watch out for those signs and drink it. Uh, I'd say every time we drink coffee, every time we drink soda, all of that dehydrates us because what it does is it takes equal amounts of water from our system to digest that coffee, to digest that liquid. And so we're actually dehydrating our system from, you know, we're removing water from our body essentially. So every time I drink Coke, every time I drink coffee, I actually get thirstier. I need more water uh, after that or sugary drinks, kind of the same effect. And so it's kind of like paying attention to, uh, the signs in your system and, you know, people will give, have different signs that for them, uh, but paying attention to that drinking water. And like you said, how does it feel before? Uh, and how does it feel after kind of paying attention to those being very intentional and, uh, you'll definitely notice a difference. Okay. I think that's a great place uh, for the listener. If, if they're not already observing themselves, observe yourself with your dehydration or hydration and, and start to make that connection with your body. Because I think the other thing that when we start tuning into our body, we're tuning out of our head because there's so how many of us are overthinkers, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a professional. So, um, Tuning into the body then gives us a way of stop over analyzing everything and, and thinking, overthinking everything and just really tuning into who we are and listening. Maybe that's it. The difference is that we're listening rather than trying to tell ourselves something. Mm, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess we're also listening for the signs of dehydration. We're listening, you know, kind of like slowing down and saying, oh, okay. That's, I have a headache. Let me drink water. Every time my wife says I have a headache, I'm like, here you go, babe, drink water. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's lovely. Well, thank you for sharing this with us. Um, do you have any other um, bits here before we close today? You know, I wanted to uh, kind of shed light on another project that I've been working on. And uh, this is, uh, so we started during the pandemic and uh, I get a call in April, 2020, uh, that uh, businesses are shutting down. I'm in California, LA, so things were really closing down and uh, people were losing their livelihoods. They couldn't put food in their, on the tables. They couldn't put water and you know, they didn't have any money coming in. And so uh, we got a call from an organization uh, saying that they have a lot of, they have funds available to you know, do something for the community. Uh, can you figure out what, what you guys want to do? What's, you know, what's the need out there? And so we started talking to our community and we realized food is an essential need that uh, people who are losing their jobs, they're not able to provide for the family. And so we started putting grocery bags together of essential items like rice, beans, uh, things that they could take home and prepare. Uh, and, uh, you know, we would, we said, okay, in May, early May, we started this. We said, okay, we're going to meet for one weekend get some 20, 30 volunteers on a Sunday, put these bags together and then, you know, promote it and start getting people there. And so we did it for one Sunday and we like, oh, wow, we, you know, there were about, we made 400 bags. We had about 250, 200, 250 people come through. And finally uh, we said, you know what, we want to continue because uh, they had a large amount of funds available. So, you know, you could do it throughout the year if you want to. And so we said, okay, let's just meet every Sunday. Let's do it. 
So we kept doing that. And then, uh, then we had this question, like, what else can we do? Uh, and then we came to this uh, other idea of why not prepare some hot meals? And we had a commercial sized kitchen. We have, uh, we had uh, some volunteers available. And so we started preparing some hot meals. Uh, we, we found a team that was able to come in and prepare a thousand meals at a time, 2000 meals at a time. Uh, and so then we said, okay, you know, can you guys come in and volunteer? They would, they would volunteer other places on the weekends. I said, all right, fine. We'll do it on Sundays at your place. And so we kind of got the kitchen. We got you know, all of the supplies. We have, you know, put all of the plan together and, uh, you know, we, we expanded, we did the grocery bags, 400 grocery bags every Sunday. And then we had another team preparing about thousand to 1500 meals. Uh, the grocery bags, we kind of did it, uh, till October. So about six months or so. Uh, but then the hot meals have continued all the way through to this very day. Uh, so it's been about two years plus now. And every Sunday, we have a group of people meeting at the kitchen, preparing about 1,500 to 2,000 meals. And these meals go into our uh, local LA community. Uh, they feed uh, the homeless people. They feed the neglected. They feed the abused. Uh, these are men, women, children. Uh, they go to uh, the downtown women's uh, center in Skid Row. Uh, that specifically works with women and children. And they have a center where about 50 to 70 women stay. Uh, and then we send about 500 meals to Skid Row and, you know, people on the streets. We have a team that goes out there uh, and they uh, distribute out into the streets. Uh, so we found the kind of partners, different organizations that would take the meals from us and go out and distribute it onto the streets. What we realized is well, through this process that these organizations are really passionate. They have volunteers. They want to go out there and give out food. But what they have to do is before that, they also have to prepare the meal. They also have to find a way to source it. They have to raise the funds for it. So we said, you know what, let's do that for you. Let's eliminate that while you focus just on the streets and distributing these meals. We'll provide all of those meals to you. And so now we have partnered up with about 12 to 15 organizations every Sunday. They come, take it out into different parts of uh, LA, different cities in LA, and uh, I mean, we've reached uh, 200,000 meals thus far just recently. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, and this is an ongoing project. We're going to continue 2022 and all the way through 2023 as well. How can people contribute to that with you? Uh, we have a GoFundMe link and I can send that to you, uh, Mary. Perfect. Uh, yeah. And we're raising funds online. So kind of the way it works is uh, I'll give you some numbers. So 50% of the funds come from that original organization that, started the project with the so first year 2020 they funded 100 2021 they said okay we'll do 50 percent 22 the same deal and so we're raising 50 percent of our funds ourselves uh and that comes out to be about eighty thousand dollars the 50 percent so we're about uh, 40 about halfway into that um and on the uh the gofundme we're raising a, a portion of it over there and then we have you know we're going out in the community and asking for people to write checks and things like that uh, so that's one avenue. And if there are other avenues that people want to, you know, we can make that available as well for payment. Um, but yeah, and this dollar uh, fifty per meal. Um, so essentially 50% of the funds coming from another organization, meaning anyone that donates uh, $15, they'll feed 10 people, but that don't, or other organization will also contribute $15. So actually you're feeding 20 people. Um, so any $15 donation will feed 20 people and you know, where we can accept any kinds of donations, any amount. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that project But before we close here today. That's really important. Sure. No, thank you so much for giving me the space and time to do that. I, 
uh, you know, just want to share people that, uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are suffering, uh, going through a harsh time. And if you can smile to them, if you can just anything that any kind of energy, positive energy could send them your way or their way, then, you know, that'll change their life. And, you know, this is one way that I feel passionate about. Uh, there's kind of a backstory to it as well, if you don't mind me going into it. Uh, yes, absolutely. I love stories. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was in India in uh, February 2020. So this was right before the pandemic hit. Mid-February, I fly to India. And usually I go to visit Mumbai. This time I said I'm going to take a uh, trip out to another smaller city, uh, which is where my parents' family, my dad's family is from. And so we go out there and uh, visit my uncle there. And he says, you know, I, I know this, uh, like a personal guru, personal kind of uh, Jyotish who can tell you things about your future and you kind of like give you some messages and things like that. Uh, and so, you know what, he brought it up. I said, you know what, I can't say no, I, I'm into this. Let's go meet him. I really yeah. want to meet this guy. And so we set up a meeting and go to his place and um, we start talking. At that time, this was before the pandemic, nothing had shut down yet. You could hear the cases from China and all of that. Um, but I didn't know what was about to come. So I, I was telling him like, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I have a meditation center. We have uh, some meditation classes, uh, and, uh, this is what we offer. It was like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, why don't you start offering some food there? You know, have a you know, kitchen, prepare some meals so that once you offer food, more people will come and then they'll take the meditation and, you know, leave with the meditation. I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. So I kind of took that. And then I come back here, April, 2020, a couple months later, uh, actually I land on a Monday and on Thursday or Friday, everything shuts down. Uh, and then in April, 2020, I get this call and I'm like, this is a perfect idea. So I kind of, I shared that as well, the whole story. And they're like, okay, you know, let's do that. Uh, and so that's kind of how it started for me. I had this message you know, a few months earlier and then the universe gave me the opportunity and, you know, now it was up to me. Do I take it or do I not take it? I could have always said, no, I'm not interested. Um, but something within me said, you know what, let's do it. It feels good. It feels right. Let's just do it. Uh, and we have continued all the way through till this day. A lot of the members from the original team are still there. And, you know, they're also passionate wow. about it. Beautiful. Such a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing so much of yourself, not only with us today, but with your within your community. Um, and your clients and and all the people that you serve. I'm really grateful for you. Thank you so much, Mary. I really appreciate that. Love and abundance. Likewise. Well, just the last thing is in the show notes, what are the uh, ways that you want um, people to connect with you? We're going to have the GoFundMe link in there. Um, My website and I'll send the link for Instagram. Um, yeah, Dr. Varun Gandhi on Instagram. Wonderful. Well, once again, thank you so much. I enjoy this time with you so much and uh, I look forward to collaborating with you in the future. For sure, Mary. I really appreciate that. I look forward to it. And uh, I've, I've had a joy being on this podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Love and abundance. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high-achieving, impact-focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction, all rolled up into a community-driven, inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. 
If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.